there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search, marketing, and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is none other than Casey Lee, a global domain strategist and investor and founder of GrandSeeds.com, as well as a contributing writer for do- DomainNameWire.com. Today, Casey and I discuss how he got his start in domain investing, domain buying and selling trends in the Chinese domain market, the best tools to use, as well as the sources to learn about the buying and selling of domains in the Chinese domain market, and last but not least, how to find domain buyers and end users in China. So with that, Casey, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Hi, Alvin. Thank you for your invitation. Yes, certainly. So to get things kicked off here, Casey, uh, why don't you share with the listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your professional and personal background? Sure. Uh, My name is Casey Lee, and I was born in Hong Kong. Um, After I graduated from college, I started my world trip. I joined a German company and was sent to Taiwan. Then I got a scholarship and came to the States. Spent two years, I got my master's degree. Then I move on. I got a job in Tokyo and um, I met my wife, got married and had honeymoon down in New Zealand. And boy, I mean, what a, <laughs> what a lovely, a beautiful country. So we moved and uh, now we live in Auckland, New Zealand. And my main wow. work is uh, translation and domain investing is my hobby. But you know, starting from December last year, I have been writing for uh, Dominion Wire on the Chinese uh, domain market. Nice, nice. So then I guess now, do you consider yourself a domain investor, developer, or both? I'm more or less part-time domainer now, but I do spend a lot of time in domain investing. Gotcha, gotcha. So then how, how, uh, how many domains do you, Dion? What size portfolio do you have? Uh, roughly close to 400 now. I'm actually building up okay. my portfolio slowly. Uh, now, are most of those like, you know, primarily .com or? Yes. Okay. So no no other, no new extensions, no new GTLDs or anything like that. But in the I do have some old, another old extension called .mobi. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how, so how did that, how did you get involved with that? Well, uh, in uh, 2010, I went to see a friend and uh, he, he was showing me what he was doing. And I was actually quite shocked because he, was, uh, he had uh, some 2,000 domains. And so I started doing some research on the internet. And just by chance, I came across a domain forum called mobility.mobi. And uh, I, I really, really loved that idea. So I started you know, investing in .mobi very seriously. But uh, now <laughs> my focus has changed. And uh, my new uh, playground is the .com uh, garbage dump. So then you, so you cut your teeth then in terms of getting started with .mobi. Now, what lessons, I guess, did you learn from those early investing days? Well, after building up to, you know, having only uh, some five to 600 .mobi domains, I learned a very (laughs) important lesson. That is, you know, .com is king and .com is deep rooted in the minds of consumers across the world. So right. do not fight the trend. Fight the trend. 
that helped me greatly when the new extensions, the more than 1,000 extensions were introduced. I did not touch any one of them. <laughs> He's like, no go. I've no. been down that road before. No, I got burned one time. That's good enough. Wow. So do you still own, I guess, I guess you do still own a few Mobis or no? I do. I still have several, you know, less than 10 to remind me, you know, how important it is to ride a trend and not to ride right. a trend. <laughs> he keeps them there as reminders. I have some, yeah, I have some excellent uh, dot Mobi like Auto Long. How about that? Ah, Auto Long okay. dot Mobi. Yeah. Nobody is, is knocking at my door. <laughs> yeah. And for those, and so for listeners, in terms of if you're wondering like what dot Mobi was, I mean, so at the time it was, we didn't have mobile friendly websites or that was just coming into, or rather, mobile websites and websites uh, were two different things. So mm -hmm. you had a desktop website and then mobile websites came out and people started using, or it was thought that, hey, uh, there were going to be, you know, I guess this longevity in being able to have companies that had two websites, a desktop version, and then a mobile. Obviously, technology passed, uh, you know, tools, uh, software, everything got better to where now you have just responsive, mobile-friendly websites. You don't need two different uh, domain names per se. And so .mobi kind of died along, well, not even kind of died, it did die along the way. Now, that's not to say that there weren't successful uh, companies or websites using .mobi or that there weren't sales to be had there, but yeah, it, it just it pales in comparison when you're, you're speaking into .com. And so, uh, so Casey, then but, in you know, regards- but back, You know, but right back in 2010, it was uh -huh. a perfect story, right? Right. You know, it Good was, Lord. you know, it, the, the whole world was shifting to mobile phone and it's for mobile phone as backed by all the major players like, you know, Google, uh, Microsoft, and Nokia, right. you know, it's all perfect story. So I bought a story. I bought in and <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> a story is only a story. Exactly. Well, and then I think some companies, uh, if I remember, because they would have like their brand name.com. And then for some companies, they just built on a different directory, like slash M would mm -hmm. be their mobile site. Or sometimes they would do like m.brandname.com. Yeah. Um, and that would be their site. So they didn't, you know, they just skirted going the Moby direction all the way. Although there are, as, as in everything, there are early adopters mm -hmm. um, who adopted and some people did well, but a lot of people lost their shirts. Yep. Yep. Um, but I did learn a very good lesson. That's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then how do you invest today? Uh, like I mentioned to you, you know, I'm more like a treasure hunter. I go to the garbage dump every day, you know, <laughs> AKA a GoDaddy closeout. So what I do is I sift through some 5,000 domains and I try to find one or two domains that may be worth something. But yeah, you know, most of the days I come home with nothing. But so, so but when you speak like go that, yeah. So when you say GoDaddy closeouts, because I want to make sure, because I know like you and I, we know what GoDaddy closeouts are, but like what you know to the to person that's coming into the industry and they're going, hey, wait, what you know they're seeing expired auctions with bids, but yeah. What are the what's the difference between the closeouts and I guess just a regular old domain auction? 
Close all domains are those that nobody wants. So that means there's no <laughs> bit at all, zero bit. <laughs> and so once it's passed through the close out, it uh, starts with a price of $11, and then we drop every day until $5. And if nobody picks it up, that means it's going to be uh, you know drop. Mm. Uh, so that's how it goes through. Interesting. So if nobody then is picking this up, I mean, I would assume that those are invaluable. Mm-hmm. To, or, or you're likely, or rather, I would assume that there's not much value, rather, if they're passing through auction, no bid, and then going to reverse auction, I would just say, you know, I'd kind of throw my hands and go, hey, there's no mm-hmm. value there. Well, why even invest in those? But what I do is I, I watch both, you know, I pick up some domains from the $11 uh, group. Uh, you know, during my research, you know, I find a domain that's interesting. It's already maybe just one user is a generic name that probably just one user somewhere in the world, but not, uh, you know, with a lot. So sometimes I may come back and wait for it to drop and I'm just got it from $8 instead of paying $20. Wow. And so then how do you value those types of names? I mean, in terms of being able to, because like I said to me, if it goes in the closeout, it probably has no value, but I guess apparently that's not the case here. And so how do you, you know, how do you basically determine which domains have value, which domains don't? Well, usually my way is quite simple. I just ask the question, you know, is the domain can be used by someone in the world? So mm-hmm. that's the main theme of my research. So I use tools to try to find out if the term is already used by uh, preferably by some businesses in the world and uh, or even people already a company with similar names or different extension. And so that's the, the only criteria that I use. Uh, so then like, so, I mean, do you use tools? Cause I know some people I've heard, you know, they use like SEM rush or, uh, some people use expireddomains.net, others use Google Trends or search engines, or in some cases, I've even heard of people using Siri and other uh, voice assistants. Um, now I, I've not gotten into that, but, you know, like there, you just have a, a lot of different tools that are used. So do you use any of those that I mentioned or no? Well, I, I'm just a, I'm a simple man. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my focus is always end users, you know, is this something that can be used or is already used by some companies somewhere in the world. So uh, I focus on using tools to try to dig out uh, potential, uh, dig out the end users. Mm. Now, do you use uh, NameBio any? Because I know sometimes, like for instance, I so I purchase uh, closeouts as well, but sometimes I'm looking, uh, if it's based on a keyword, you know, I go and look and go, how many sales have happened with this keyword using mm-hmm. name bio? I mean, is that something that you do as well or? Yes, I do. I uh, subscribe, I'm a loyal subscriber of uh, name bio and I like it very much. And, and, and Michael Summers is a great guy and yeah. very, very good service. So what I do is every month, every day, I download the, uh, the sales data and build up my own database. Uh, quite quite a large database, and based on the database, I build up my own hit list of popular keywords, and so I use that one to filter out because looking at five some five thousand domains is just impossible manually. Right. So I use the uh, build up my dynamic list to screen out most of the domains, 
living, you know, probably every day I would look at manually uh, around three, three to 400 uh, domains, which I actually scan uh, visually. Mm. And then I look at the domain, each one, I look at each one and say, oh, it, does it make sense? If it makes sense, I would send it to uh, .db, a great service, uh -huh. uh, and also Google search. I mean, Google searches are very powerful too. So I use mainly these two tools to help me identify existing or potential end users. So interesting. So then you identify the domain, let's say you purchase it. So then what is your next step? Do you typically go to enlist it on marketplaces or are you, you know, do you do any outbound or is it more so just kind of, hey, I'm, I'm only inbound or is it a mix of both? Now, I'm actually still experimenting because I got a, I became very serious only a year ago, last year. Okay. And I built up my own system and just tried. So what I have been doing is to, once I grab the domain, as soon as it comes into my account, I just list it at uh, after Nick. Okay. And uh, immediately is available on, you know, in the registration path of GoDaddy. Mm. And uh, I use him. I sometimes I use my LinkedIn to just send a message to potential uh, buyers. Say, hey, this is available in GoDaddy. Oh, really? I don't even mention that I own the domain. I just let, hey, uh, you know, so so you know, this domain is available uh, at GoDaddy. So if you know, they know right away because if they're already using similar domains, you know, they can easily understand the value of that exact match. Interesting. I've, and I've never even thought about that from the LinkedIn approach before, but that, that's pretty, that's pretty clever. But I'm actually still experimenting. I've, I've saw some domains, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm still trying to see the, the different ways, like LinkedIn, right. I use one. Uh, it looks like it worked, but I, but the sample is still too small, so I cannot. Gotcha. So since coming in, then how many cells would you coming into domain investing into the industry itself? How many cells would you uh, or have you completed or transacted? Now, last year, I started last year and uh, I've made about, I think, six. So six around, you know, the 25, mostly 20, uh, less than $3,000. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty good, and then I, pretty and then in terms, you know, it's a even make a, a small profit, right? And now, are those, I guess, the ones that you sold were there were those ones that you either hand raised or were those all closeouts, or were they a you know a combination of like, hey, I paid seventy five dollars for this in expired auction, or you know, how how do how do those categorize in terms of cost? Uh, well, I'm I'm a junkie, <laughs> so I have never paid for I've never paid for any domain more than three dollars. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh goodness, he's like, nope. Call me the closeout king. That's yeah. where I will remain. That's why I always say, you know, the uh, garbage dump. You know, I always spend my time at the garbage dump because to me, right now, it's actually more fun playing the game, they're making a big profit. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> and, and just knowing, because I think it was in Paul Nix in his uh, NamesCon, um, I think he did like a presentation of just about sweet spot domain investing. And he was saying on average, it takes something like a whole time of like 400, uh, I think he said 400 
days on average before a given domain between like $50 to $75 sells for anywhere between $2,500 to $3,500. So mm. it's kind of like that certainly aligns with what you're doing, albeit uh, I just find it interesting that you're, you know, specifically focused in on, on the closeouts um, and basically finding those. Now you don't do any development though, right? Uh, not really, not really. And not really well, looking I, to get into that lane either, I don't think. No, you know, like. I, I know how to build a website, but really not a professional. Uh-huh. You know, the website, my own blogs, you know, my own site, I build it myself. But, uh, you know, I'm not really that, that good. Right. Now, now, see, here's where I, I start to, there's a bit of envy that creeps into my heart, if you will, that when I'm interviewing someone like you, I go, man, Casey has a leg up on me when it's, uh, you know, considering your background in terms of what you do for daily living in terms of translations Mm. and then just in terms of ethnicity, as well as just the places you've lived and traveled to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you, you are quite the cultured person here. And so I go, man, you've got a leg up on me. And so how do you use that in terms of domain investing or do you use it? Well, it's very helpful when I'm researching Chinese companies. Ah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> and in my in my writing, because I just enjoy doing research and doing writing. And uh, the, the language, the Chinese language, is definitely very helpful. The English, la- English language that I learn definitely is very helpful. Hmm. Gotcha. And so, I mean, in terms of the Chinese market, like I know that in back in 2015, there was just a, a massive explosion in terms of uh, four letter or, or chip dot um, mm-hmm. com domains. And so, you know, some say the Chinese market, had, you know, topped out in 2015, 2016. So, you know, is this true? I don't think so. I mean, I, I really think it's more like a preview to what is going to come, something more mm. exciting that's coming because for two uh, major reasons. Uh, number one, if you look at the real genuine demand, there's still massive, there's still massive potential demand for domains in China. You know, just look at two numbers. You know, there's about 90 million companies in China, but less than 5% of them have a website. Wow. So that tells you. And they, we know eventually they all need to have one domain. Yeah. So that alone would create just huge demand for many domain. And on top of that, you need to understand that we Chinese, we love money, we love speculation. <laughs> so when the economy is good, when there's a, some kind of new new idea, you know, uh, a new investment theme, like what we saw back in 2015, you know, someone came with the idea uh, called chips. I, right. I, I mean, to be honest, I do not understand chips myself. <laughs> but anyway, people just you know bought in, and and that created a, bu- uh, a bubble. And so, because of that cultural element, I'm very very sure along the way that someone will come up with a better, a new idea, a new investment theme, and then we'll ride. Uh, <laughs> and we'll get on the ride. Hmm. And so then I guess so the the question there is then so with only 5% of the companies on, like, you know, it makes me think about and ask the question of wouldn't most Chinese company, I mean, wouldn't they 
likely prefer their own CCTLD, which is like .cn over a it's, .com. It's interesting. Probably China is the only one in the world where we also believe, uh, like the Americans, that .com is king. So the first choice is always .com. So that is know. interesting. I have huh. not seen any any other country. I mean, our neighboring, the neighboring country like Japan, uh, you know, uh, is all dot, uh, the country extension first. Dot com is considered, but China is different. And so, why why is that? I mean, why I guess the the preference for dot com over the over dot cn. Well, recently I looked at a dot us. I thought, oh, it's quite similar. Dot cn and dot us is quite similar. Uh, you know, dot uh, cn is much better than. You know, has done much better than .us in terms of recognition, and they they were they actually they faced some very similar uh, problem, because you remember when .us came out, it was difficult to get .us. You know, right. it's got a lot of dots, right? You cannot say <laughs> I want Apple.us. No, no, no. Where are you located? You're located in San Francisco, right? So you will say something like Apple dot uh, San Francisco and this is dot ca dot us something like that right and wow. similar thing happened in China it was very difficult in the early days to get a dot cn domain because that you have to fill out forms and they decided to give you several dots you know and then it was expensive but on the other hand dot com was easy no identification to prove. No form to fill in. You could just go to GoDaddy and just grab, uh, pay the money and you got a .com. So that's one reason. .com was easier, cheaper to get than .cn. And another one is a lot of the early uh, startup founders, they uh, came back from America or they've been to America and they knew the .com. So that also helped too. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, like, like when you look at Alibaba, right? Alibaba, Jack Ma went to America and he uh, thought of the name when he was touring America. He decided, oh, Alibaba is a good name. So he right. bought Alibaba, I think he paid $100,000 to get Alibaba.com. Ah. So, Interesting. And, yeah, a lot, of, and a, a lot of startup funders actually, they, they, all, they came back from America. So .com, they love .com. And so, really, it's the so it's the top companies then in China that are actually draw. So that kind of drove the popularity mm-hmm. based on likely interactions, uh, I guess, with Western culture. Mm-hmm. And so, after a while, it became sort of like a, a, a norm in China. You know, if, you, if you're good, you get .com first, and if you can get it, you you, you go for the second choice is .cn. Yeah. Huh. Because interesting, recently I actually asked a friend in Beijing, he's a serial entrepreneur, uh, you know, he started many companies, and I asked him, hey, what do you think, is it what has changed uh, on the preference for .cn? He said, it's still the same. The mainstream is .com, he said. And we don't, wow. we don't consider .cn un- unless we cannot get .com. That's what he uh, told me. Interesting. So now, I, do don't you... think, I don't think it's going to change for quite a while, unless there's a government intervention. Right, it's going to change, and that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you see or foresee, like, hey, government intervention coming in to say, hey, no, we're we're going to try to, uh, you know, because I start thinking about like 
it, there may come a time in a day where countries just go, we're going to build our own internet. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's going to be on this internet, you have to have a CCTLD yeah. that matches. Like, do you see something like that possibly happening or it no? Could. It could. You look at Russia, they're, they're actually building their own intranet. And China, you look at the firewall. So it's, it could. It could happen. If they want to actually isolate to protect their own internet uh, infrastructure, they may actually prefer the country extension because with the country extension, they have 100% control. And .com is outside the country. Right. So, but currently there's no sign that, you know, uh, .com is not favored, but it could. So outside of .com or .cn, I mean, are there other extensions that are popular? In the Chinese domain market? Uh, well, if you look at the uh, registration number, it's really it's quite surprising because now we look at uh, registration number, you have .cn with 21 million registration, .com, uh, 30 million. And then the next one, the third one is actually .icu with 3.6 million. Uh, but... Mm. I haven't seen much impact of the ICO in, 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 the, in actual use in the corporate world in China. And this is actually reinforced by the survey by the organization called CNNIC in China. They've mm-hmm. been doing the survey of the domain landscape since 1998, but they have not included the ICU in the survey. So that suggests that the ICU has really not much impact uh, to the real world. Right. And so it makes me ask the question is, is dot, uh, it's either, a, it's a couple of things, possibly. It could be that dot ICU is nothing but more than promotional names, meaning, you know, the price was lowered to where it was probably pennies on the dollar, if you will, and you got people involved, or it's just being used truly as an investment. Because uh, like you said, I mean, they're not, you're not really seeing much usage at the corporate level. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, it falls into one of those three camps, if not two of those. Well, I, I'm to be honest, I'm actually quite puzzled. <laughs> uh, how right. you like, because I see, I see, I don't think most people understand dot ICU means I see you, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I mean, I actually could not explain why it's so popular, except for the fact that, the, uh, the price has been very low. I just sent this all promotions and probably just for speculation. And when it comes to speculation, you know, anything goes. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. And so, I mean, I imagine it's the same thing then with the new GTLDs that you're probably not seeing too many of those take off either. Yeah, I mean, actually, the link, you also see a dot top, dot XY, and see a very popular, I mean, double quote, mm-hmm. popular in terms of the numbers. Uh, but I haven't seen a real impact of them to the corporate world in China. Interesting. So then in terms of the impact then on the domain market, so, you know, much like obviously there's a U.S. market here and I start thinking about, you know, the stock market, real estate market, and likely is the same there in China. You know, what roles do the Chinese stock market as well as the real estate market play in the Chinese domain market or do they even have an impact on it? I haven't seen, uh, read any uh, serious study of their relationship. 
But generally speaking, like I mentioned uh, to you earlier, you know, we Chinese was just love money speculation. So when the economy is good, we invest in a lot of different types of assets, such as your know, stocks, uh, real estate, uh, new ideas like Bitcoin and also domains. So my my speculation <laughs> is that it's more about the economy. When the economy is good, people have confidence and they invest in uh, you know, uh, domain as well. Got it. So then kind of, I guess, even then with relatively slight impact, then I, I look and go, then, you know, where or yeah, where do you see opportunities, uh, you know, in the Chinese domain market? I see uh, one area which I think is very underappreciated, and that's the uh, uh, the English-based uh, domains, really? uh, you know, used by Chinese uh, companies. And I think when when you talk about selling domains to China, a lot of people will say, "Hey, let's have Pinyin, right?" But actually, what I've been seeing in China is that there's a lot of company, more and more company, using English-based domains, such hmm. as. Uh, you know, ten cent that is a ten is grammatically incorrect. It's ten cent no right. s dot com. You have um, uh, like babytree dot com. You know, very simple English words, but it is a is a big. I think probably with the largest parenting platform in China. You know, but a very simple name babytree dot com. Or the uh, the the most valuable AI startup in the world called sensetime dot com. Sense time.com very simple and also one more just the vipkit.com if i don't know if you've heard of it it is a very interesting platform connecting uh connecting you know the teachers in america with children in china so that they can learn english it's a more like conversation uh platform and the name is a vip uh, vipkit.com and it's their brand too no chinese brand isn't it amazing no chinese brand that well, and then it's what's funny about that is obviously it's 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 an English based domain, mm -hmm. but then the service itself is teaching toddlers English. Uh, yep, yep. Or you know, keep teaching grade school children English, um, which is kind of reinforcing that the generations to come uh, are likely. I mean, they're they're probably uh you know chinese-based um domains that mm -hmm. you know we look at and say hey they're probably in use but likely is the case with english being taught likely is the case this next generation mm -hmm. um will probably be more apt to use in english-based.com to launch the company yeah because i think most uh you know i would say the average chinese we we, we actually understand english you know simple english word uh, mm -hmm. no problem uh, so you know it, it would be fine to use uh, English-based domain because the whole environment is the government is actually encouraging a lot of Chinese companies to go global, to go out, uh, and you know English being the global language and .com being the global extension, so that means English-based .com, you know, become a very natural choice. Well, that's interesting in and of itself. So, I mean, in terms of because we talk about there's English domains, and I think you mentioned Pinyin. So what types of domains, um, you know, in terms of the Chinese market itself, obviously there's Pinyin, mm -hmm. um, there are numerics. So kind of help us get a good 
grasp of understanding what those are and how, how they even, I guess, attain their value? Well, you can look at uh, first the end user uh, area. For end user, uh, naturally the extension uh, .com and .cm. Mm -hmm. and then you just, on the names, like you already mentioned, you know, PIN is fine, it's very popular in China. Uh, acronym like up to 4L would be fine. Okay. And uh, numeric up to 4L, uh, 4N, that's popular too. And also, like what I said before, in simple English-based uh, word, uh, that right. would be fine. But there's another area that's the speculative part. And you can have longer numeric, you know, five, six, seven, uh, some cell. And I think anything can go as long as we have an uh, investment theme. So someone need to come up with a new investment theme and then you know anything can go. Interesting. So then, I mean, so it's interesting that you say that because of folks are coming up with new investment themes, but then when I hear that, it goes, it makes me actually ask the question like, well, who is leading this? Like who are the top domain investors in the China market? Uh, as, I, uh, as far as I know, you know, uh, like Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Chai, uh, he's considered the domain king of China. Uh, he's, he's very good because he started during the dot, dot com crash. Ah. And the next one, uh, but he's he's not very active in the domain space right now. I think he's more like an angel investor. He's uh, more into the business side. And the next one I can think of is Mr. Dai. Is a DAI, Mr. Dai, and he's considered the one who owns the most at two L dot com in the world. And really? as far as I understand, he owns at least 16 hmm. uh, ll.com, such as jb.com or kr.com. Very, very good, you know, domains. Wow. And he's still very, very active. And he said, is he active only around a certain subset or segment of the domain market, or is he, you know, kind of all over the, the, the place? I understand he's mostly into .com and okay. very, very short uh, .com. Uh, so probably no two word then I would imagine. Uh, you, you mostly as I have read, you know, it's a two uh, LL and LL three L dot com. Very short domain. You know, Chinese folks like a very short domain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we just like short. So then, kind of circling back around. So it, I mean, it obviously we hear the phrase I kid you not, you probably in the domain industry, uh, even the listeners, they probably run across articles and pinion. What is pinion and where did it come from? Well, actually, you know, uh, pinion could be traced all the way back to 1600. Really? When the, yeah, when the missionaries came to China, they needed a way to learn to speak Chinese. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with a way to <clears throat> use alphabets to represent Chinese characters. And so that's how it got started. But later on, the different versions were developed. And in 1950s, the Chinese government kind of just consolidated the different versions and came up with a new modern pinyin system. So uh -huh. they introduced the pinyin into elementary school to help the children uh, pronounce uh, Chinese characters. So, so it's been used ever since. Um, but now you're in the domain space. You know, Pinyin is actually very important because a lot of domains are based on uh, Pinyin. 
such as uh, Baidu.com, even Alibaba.com. Alibaba is also a pinyin, is a four pin domain, uh, dot com. Mm. Uh, so there's a uh, even Huawei, or Huawei, Huawei.com, yeah. Xiaomi.com, all these are pinyin.com. So pinyin is very important. So then, I mean, what are the pros and cons? You know, if I'm looking and saying, should should I get involved in investing in opinion, or is it like what are the pros and cons of getting, you know, starting to go down that path? Well, you can. Well, I can tell you what I do. You know, I do not own any opinion domains. Oh wow! Because uh, I like to sell all. I like to sell my domains to the whole world, including China, but not wow. China alone. That's why I don't own any opinion domains. So then what kind of, so what kind of domains, I guess, can be sold? Obviously we said English, but then what kind of domains, I guess, have you seen sold into the Chinese market and who are those in buyers? Oh, like, like what I uh, said before, you know, uh, pinyin, uh, uh, English, uh, short acronym numeric domains, all these, you know, .com, .cn. Gotcha. So then are you seeing now, are you seeing a, a large number or have you seen a large number number? I mean, a large number of companies in terms of data upgrading their domains, uh, you know, in the, in the Chinese domain market in terms of going like from a .cn or dot, you know, whatever extension to a .com? Well, I found the product very interesting. You know, when I read the stories, I always... Uh, want to see why people, why companies in China acquire a certain domain. And mm. uh, over the years, I find that there are basically four reasons why they upgrade the domains. Uh, number one is for brand matching purpose. And a good example is the largest drone maker in the world, DJI. Mm -hmm. They used to run a business from DJI-innovations.com. Then uh, they spend uh, some $300,000 to upgrade to simply DJI.com, which is now brand matching, right? And another one is going global. Uh, a good example is Xiaomi. I don't know how many of you can spell Xiaomi. I can't. <laughs> can <you? laughs> how, do you spell, how do you spell Xiaomi? <laughs> I, I, hey, I try to sound it out. It'd be S H O W M E. Oh, no, Show no, me. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a X I A O and an M I. It's a two pin. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, they spent, they invest $3.6 million to acquire the shorter one. M really? I dot me. They just have the me, mi.com, which is much, much easier to remember, right? Hmm. So there's a reason, you know, they they had they already own the matching, uh, brand matching domain, xiaomi.com, but it's just too difficult. So Gosh. I think my speculation is they will eventually just rebrand to simply uh, me, uh, mi, me. Uh. So that's the second reason. The, th the third reason is actually switching extension. And a good uh, example is the bicycle sharing startup OFO, OFO. Mm -hmm. They started with OFO.SO. Want to guess what what extension you know SO is represent? SO. It doesn't, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> well, it's a country extension of Somali. <laughs> and they oh, have geez. nothing to do with Somali. <laughs> Oh. Uh, anyway, they acquired <laughs> OFO.com for a million dollars to so that for the upgrade. 
Wow. <laughs> and the last reason is just, this is also very interesting. You know, some companies in China like to go short for the sake of being short. So a good uh, example <laughs> is uh, Jingdong.com, Jingdong. Jingdong is actually the third largest internet company in the world. According to Wikipedia, it's the third largest, Jingdong. Right. But I don't know how many of you have heard of it. I've not. All right. Because we know outside China as JD.com, right? They, uh, they, they own uh, the matching, brand matching, Jingdong.com, which I think is quite decent. You should be able to, to uh, say Jingdong in English. But anyway, they just went for JD.com for $5 million. Wow. So it's not really critical, but they did spend, you know, invest that, a lot of money for the shorter acronym. So acronym in China is very, very important. So acronyms are important, but probably even what's more important is is for domain investors to find these, um, you know, these end users. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I look and go, you know, how does one go about finding end users in China, especially if you're not of uh, Chinese descent or background? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, suppose, okay, just suppose I own Apple.com, okay? And I want to sell Apple.com to an end user in China, okay? So what I do is I just enter this keyword Apple. So I enter apple.cn and then see if there's any website develop. If there's uh, a website develop, I just, you know, just look at a website and see how serious that website is. You can look at the color, the design, you can tell roughly, right? Whether it's just a personal blog or really a serious business. And then I also use Google Translate to help. Google Translate is pretty good this, this time, uh, these days. And to, to translate, and you can understand the content. What I want to find out is the nature of the business, what kind of business they're running, and also the size. More important, most important is what is the size of the company? Can they afford to you know, buy a very expensive domain? Right. So you use Google Translate to figure out, you know, can they really pay the price? Because I want someone who needs my domain and at the same time can afford to pay for the price, right? So uh, after I do this uh, research, uh, if I want to know the, uh, get an email contact, I use a browser add-on called Hunter to uh, you know, give me the uh, email addresses available on the website. And so that's the basic uh, approach that I use. So after I finish with .cm, I also use a dot try apple.com.cn and I repeat the process. And then the final uh, approach is to use the Baidu. Just enter Apple into the Baidu search and don't worry if you don't read Chinese, that's fine. All you need to do is to look at the search result and look at the the URL part and see if there's any similar domains. Okay, if someone is using Apple hyphen, you know, uh, LLC.com, Apple hyphen, gotcha. you know, group.com, uh, then it may be a likely candidate. So I click the uh, URL and do repeat the same research. And so by doing so, you can get a, a group of likely candidates. And at the same time, you can also get the email address. 
and then you can just write a letter, simple letter. Uh, if they have a need for an upgrade, then there's not much you can you can you need to say. If you they if they need uh, apple.com, you know, uh, they just let them know that you have apple.com. So that's what I would do. Interesting. So well, and kind of one of the points I want to go back to real quick here is, so you were saying how to size up a company. So how would I size up whether or not a Chinese company has the ability to pay, you know, let's can, just say six figures for a domain? I can look I can look at the pictures, you know, if they have a lot of factories and, and uh, if they have a page listing a lot of their you know, pictures of their top executive. You know, if I see some 20 executives, that means it's not a very small company, right? Uh, and if they have a board of directors, you, you can tell, you know, with help right. from uh, Google Translate, you can actually get a get a, a rough idea of what kind of organization structure of the company. You know? Right. And you can even look at the, the e their email address. If they are not using their company email, if they're using a QQ.com, it's likely a very small one-man band. So you can actually tell from just between the line, you can tell how big the company is. So that's what I, so actually that's what I do with, I have actually researched a Russian uh, website or you know, and a lot of uh, German website and I use the same approach. Just use Google Translation. Uh, Google Translate, look at the pictures, look at the, uh, pictures of the executives and I can get a rough idea. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, I know for me, like I, uh, a couple, what, last week or so, I received a, uh, I received an inquiry that came in mm -hmm. for O, the number nine, mm -hmm. the letter Z dot mm -hmm. com. And I knew it was an inquiry, but it was written in, in Chinese characters. I didn't know what to do. And so it was interesting that you mentioned Google Translate because that's the only thing that I knew to do was, hey, let's take this copy, paste it into Google Translate. It did, it detected, uh, it detected which language it was. Uh, I think it was like Chinese simplified or something mm -hmm. like that, that it mm -hmm. then translated into English to where I could then read it and go, oh, you're actually inquiring about what the price is for this. Mm -hmm. But then the other side was a matter of going in reverse to be able to say, um, you know, so I was like, well, maybe I can write it in English, translate it back to the Chinese Simplified, copy that, paste it in. Um, I mean, is that something that you suggest or, you know, is it like, hey, only do the Chinese part or is it, you know, should I do Chinese and English? Well, actually, before that, I would actually just go to... Uh, do the research first. If it yeah. is it from a company, you know, mm -hmm. use a name and just go go to Baidu search, go to the .cn, go to the .com .cn and see if that's already a website. Right. And then uh, when I write a letter, I think I like simple message. When I write, when I do outbound, I mean, not often, I just write very simple uh, sentence because if there's a need for them, then there's not much you need to say. Right. Just let them know you have the domain, you know, and the price. Ah, and then uh, they'll decide whether or not they they find value in it to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a good idea to just use uh, Google Translate, but you include the original text. 
Ah. So you have English with the Chinese translation at the same time. But I, I think just, I would just make it very short. Uh, there's not much explanation I need to do. Right. Yeah. So then, in other words, because uh, another thing that I saw in this inquiry was that, and this is what kind of, I guess, made it real to me, was that the person actually signed um, using their WeChat name. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, that makes me kind of go, you know, hey, is that a tool that many domain buyers will use? And then likewise, the other question to that is, or along with that is, domain users use, uh, likely use WeChat in China, uh, in China mm -hmm. but then can non-Chinese users, uh, so let's just say myself, for instance, it, do you recommend using WeChat to you know, conduct these type of transactions or find buyers? Well, you can, you can, because you can sign up and get a WeChat account. I mean, WeChat is like telephone in the West. Everyone mm. has a phone. Uh, so it, it, it's actually a personal communication too. Uh, so it's very, you know, uh, it's a good way to communicate. Gotcha. So then where are the best, like what's the best place online you know, to learn about the buying and selling of domains in the Chinese in the Chinese market. Well, actually, I haven't seen uh, much you know, information available in English uh, right. when it comes to you know uh, the Chinese domain market. You know, um, I've I've been you know I write on uh, Domaining Wire right now, you know, trying to cover the Chinese domain market, and uh, I also used to have a blog on Name Pros. That would explain a lot of stuff like you know how how does pinging you know and also the acronym things like all the the different details that you can actually go to name pros and do a search. Right. And the good thing is there's actually quite a number of Chinese uh, domain investors on name pro, so you oh, can really? ask questions on name pro. Uh, but otherwise, I I'm actually quite surprised that uh, there's not a lot of uh, information available in English yet. Right. So what's interesting to me, so like there is a site, well, but I mean, albeit it's in, it's in Chinese, uh, what is it, 4.cn? Yeah. And so is that, I guess, is that like a domain registrar or marketplace or what is that? I, no, I haven't looked at it for a while. I think it's just a domain registrar as well as domain marketplace. They usually do uh, quite a lot, you know, they, you know, they do the registration, they also do the buy and sell as well. Gotcha. So, I mean, so it, it at least kind of uh, appears to me, although, like I said, it's it's a bit rough because I don't know Chinese. So, you know, it's kind of hard. It'd be, I guess, a challenge to for one to list for a non-Chinese uh, user to actually list their domain um, there within that market. But like I said, I mean, I'm even looking at it right now and it's mm -hmm. like, this seems like the place to be if you were going to try to uh, attempt to to sell um, a given domain name into the Chinese market. Oh, you mean uh, how you want, when we talk about how to sell to China? Yeah, so like, well, when I when I sit here and I think and I go, man, well, what's the best way? Is it using Google Translate? I mean, obviously you can do that, but like I said, just uncovering 4.cn here, it makes me kind of think like, well, maybe that's the market, maybe that's the best marketplace, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to kind of reach out to Chinese domain buyers. 
But uh, well, you know, personally, I actually don't use, <clears throat> I do not actually sell specifically to China because uh, I think I want to sell to the whole world, including China. Correct. So I, I do not actually specifically contact those marketplaces places in China. But uh, what I find out is there's actually a very, uh, very easy way to do it. Uh, I mean, of course, if you have a domain that's worth six or seven figures, you can actually talk to a Chinese a domain broker in China so they can help you connect with the end users. But you know, like me and also the majority of domain investors holding just you know, average quality domains, uh, my experience is there's a very simple way. I mean, just list your domains with a multi-listing service, uh, uh. such as uh, Afternick, because uh, Afternick has a very extensive retail network in the world, including China. I mean, in China alone, they have uh, partners, you know, all the leading uh, domain registered as partners, such as, you know, Alibaba Cloud, uh, eName. And so what you do is, what I also do is, I list your domains with, uh, for example, Afternick. Right. And right away, your domains will be exposed to the Chinese buyer, uh, Chinese potential buyers in the Chinese language environment as oh, really? well as using the Chinese payment method, right? Really? So that means you don't have to deal with the language issue. You don't have to deal with the payment you know, issue. You just let the local uh, retail outlet handle all this issue. You just set a bean price and then you wait. So mm -hmm. I find there's a much simpler way and that's what I do too. So then what about like transferring the domain? How does that work out? Well, uh, with, uh, for example, Afternic, if you set a bean price, then they will handle everything for you. Ah, got it. Got it. So it just make, I think this is, it, it just makes it much, much easier uh, for the wing investors to you know, stay away from the language and the cultural uh, problem, the payment problem. I think this probably would become the mainstream in, in, in the future. And that's what I've been using too. Even though I speak Chinese, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So yeah. then, so then, what would you recommend? So obviously, because I gotta see again, you got a leg up on me, man. You, you can actually speak Chinese. I'm over here. Hey, I don't know which way up or down is, but to a certain extent, like um, I know that you mentioned brokers that you can mm -hmm. probably reach out to brokers if you didn't want to go the afternoon route. I mean, mm -hmm. are there top brokers that you know, hey, these are probably some good people to deal with if you have that that top quality name, if you will? Uh, there are a couple of uh, domains brokers you know, involved in the Chinese buy and sell, but I better not uh, single anyone <laughs> just to yeah, avoid yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the confusion. <laughs> But and if you I do think, a search on uh, like name pros, you can go to name pro and do a search. It probably would. I think they have a list of uh, domain brokers, including those from China. Correct, and I think they do have a, a list of because I know and because I'm not scared of any of them. Honestly, mm -hmm. I go, hey, I, the one that I do know is um, uh, George um, George Hong. Hong, yes, yeah. And so I know that he does, and then um, I believe also working with him is like Kate Lim. Yes. Um, and then there are some others, but like you're right, like you can actually go out to name pros, mm -hmm. type in the request to go, hey, you know, looking for a Chinese domain broker or even probably start a thread, I would imagine, and somebody's mm -hmm. going to respond. 
Yes. Um, and so it's a, it's a, okay. So that's an interesting, interesting case. Cause I didn't realize um, after Nick has had that wide of a reach. Um, yes. In- and it's good to small for, it's very good for small investors like me. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, those uh, brokers wouldn't be interested in handling my, my domain. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. And so kind of wrapping up here. So what would be your advice to someone um, looking to get into domain investing? Uh, what I've learned is I mean, to read, read, read. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> what I've learned, it, take, it took me years and years to actually understand the domain game. You know, I thought it's very easy, but it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> so read a lot of stuff. You're interested in the Chinese domain market, you know, read my articles. Uh, go to NamePro, ask questions. I've learned a lot from, I started from NamePro, so uh, NamePro is a good place to start. Uh, there's a lot of good people on NamePro. Uh, so, you know, start from there, do a lot of reading first, you know. But I mean, to be honest, a lot of people have to go through the first stage of buying all the garbages. <laughs> oh, <did>. man. <laughs> Probably we couldn't avoid that part. Uh, but, uh, you know, reading has helped me a lot. He's like, read, read, read before yeah. you buy, buy, buy. <laughs> That's correct. Read, 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 and before you buy, buy, buy. <laughs> yeah, because if not, you will be buy, 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 and you will leave this industry um, disgruntled and uh, disillusioned just about, you know, hey, they lied to me. I couldn't do quick flips. I couldn't make it uh, from a rags to riches story. So, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, I had my my own bumps and bruises in terms of this industry of shelling out thousands of dollars um, since having recouped everything. But, you know, when I look back, it's, it's very much like you said, had I spent the time, you know, a good probably 18 months just mm-hmm. reading yeah. um, and not even re- reading and probably more so following along with uh, auctions. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily spending money to do that, but just kind of following along on paper, making my selections, and then just kind of seeing how things turned out. And you you can also read, most important, uh, apart from reading the success stories, it's also very important to read story of failures, like my failure and dot Moby, (laughs) because that's how we learn. I learned from my failure. So I'm sure by reading failures of other people, you know, you can understand what to avoid. Totally. Uh, so, totally. you know, read, read, read. <laughs> totally. So then last but not least, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of how to get in contact with you or where they might find you at? Well, you can find me every day on LinkedIn and that's my, uh, my play, my playground. So where I post uh, all the small piece, you know, bits and pieces of news about China as well as other uh, places in the world. And that's also the place where I engage with people in real conversation. So uh, you're welcome to come to my LinkedIn page and uh, just we can just chat. Well, superb. So with that, I mean, we're out of time. So Casey, man, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your domain investing journey and insight about the Chinese domain market. Oh, thank you, Alvin. Alvin, sorry. Certainly, no worries at all. Hey, man, most most people either it's Alvin, Allen, or Alex. So it's I'm kind of like, <laughs> hey, you get the first two letters right. It's okay. Mine could be Cassie or Casey or Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice talking to you, Alvin. 
Yeah, thank you. And then also listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the weekly newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now.